0: Hello world singers, my name is Tyler and my name is Brooke and this is Cosmere, Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. Welcome back! We have returned from our adventures around the world traveling, and fans, welcome back after last week's episode, "The Traveler."
1: I wish we were traveling around the world. I guess we didn't
0: travel <laughs> around the world. It was, it was we did
1: travel though, and yeah. everyone else listened to "The Traveler,"
0: so which I really loved. We were just re-listening to that story and maybe our excellent presentation of the story
1: yeah if you own like an audiobook company and you want to hire us please feel free to get
0: in contact yeah if you want to hire Brooke I know that she's the better (laughs) one of the two but yeah you could definitely hire both of us (gasps) this week we are doing a couple of things we are going to go over round two and three from the Cosmere cage match looking at many of our favorite fights Because we have two rounds to get through, we are going to jump between rounds and kind of follow characters until their natural conclusion. Uh, So for those of you following along at home, we're not just going to go straight in order, finishing all of round two and then moving on and finishing all of round three. We are instead going to talk about the round two fights, then move in, talk about the round three fights until we have like. One winner set up. Hope that makes sense for everyone, because that's what we're about to do.
1: Yep.
0: Rook's in. She's on top of it. She's ready to go. <laughs> awake from the nap. Here we go. Round two fight between Kelsier and Vin. This was on my watch list from last time. <laughs> it's a book fight. Well, yeah. not really well, necessarily not really. a real book fight, but like we've definitely seen Kelsier and Vin together. Uh, training, fighting yeah, side by side. True. Like we, these two characters are very familiar with each other, and there are two misborns. So power wise, pretty powerful. They're very definitely very powerful, and also their powers are similar, and they're aware of each other's powers. So a very interesting fight between the survivor and the hero of ages, but not. <laughs> <laughs> Psych. <laughs> i was gonna say the god killer uh ah. the, what, what other nicknames did just go by the little knife or something like that uh she like king's king's knife or something like that oh, She's oh yeah like, like, ellen's assassin yeah but we have these two friends mentor versus mentee going up against each other what do you think brooke
1: uh i think i said that vin would win this fight because i think Kelsier is very powerful but Ben has that same kind of like determined, um, scrappy fighter mentality that Kelsier does. But I think she is a little bit more resourceful, a little bit more innovative, and possibly stronger.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because many times in the Scadrial universe, it is remarked that powers are often associated with size. I think specifically when they're talking about like pewter arms, like if normally, normally, if you give a small person uh is able to burn pewter and a large, you know, the rock size person is able to burn pewter, simply because of the size difference, the bigger person will be stronger at the end of the day, even though they're both burning pewter. But Vin is always weirdly strong, weirdly powerful. Yeah. And even though she is very, very tiny, she's often able to match wits or match strengths mm-hmm. uh, with more powerful individuals. I think some of our fans pointed out the real details of this fight when they said, quote, "Very hard. Vin is the stronger alamancer, and she's better trained in all the metals except maybe iron and steel." Both sides are very powerful, and the outcome depends heavily on luck. I think Kelsier would win. He has more training in fighting Alamancers. Vin fought with Zayn, but she mostly lost to him, and she often won because of tricks like Atium, which we're discounting for this fight. Kelsier fought an Inquisitor and won, and Vin, they said, only wins when she has the power of preservation. I think that's a little bit harsh, on Vin as a fighter, saying she only was winning with the power of preservation. I think what is most important is to actually go into secret history because that's when Kelsier, as a cognitive shadow, had the opportunity to watch Vin fight. I think it was something like a dozen Inquisitors. Kelsier's like in the background checking that out. And even he remarks that watching her it was clear that she had vastly surpassed him in skill. Uh, He famously fought one Inquisitor and like kind of won and then loses immediately. Uh, But like he only ever went up against one Inquisitor. I feel like this is kind of a moment uh, that could be seen in The Matrix as well when all the other characters are like, we don't fight the agents, we don't fight the Inquisitors because they're too dangerous. And then Neo comes along and he's like, I'll take you, you know? (laughs) I'm doing hand motions now. Well, but. <laughs> I
1: think uh, probably the most powerful we see then would be Hero of Ages, the mm-hmm. last book. Yes. Um, and she fights a lot in that book. She fights the Colossus. She fights like entire armies of Colossus, like basically by herself. But those are some of the battles that are not described in as detailed um, descriptions as other fights. So I think that might be why this person is maybe discounting Vin's fighting abilities.
0: Yeah. in the later battle, there's a lot more war going on and maybe less like individual one on one battles.
1: Yeah. But the fact that she's able to like
0: fight coloss armies. And pretty handily, the fans did give this fight to Vin. So we're going to move Vin on to the next round. And now we're going to find her competitor, in the round two matchup, and v Shalon.
1: Nice. All right, this is a pretty good fight. I two think. people
0: from the same world, but have never met or or definitely never fought. Definitely each never other. met. Yeah. yeah. So we have I in her shard plate. We always say in war form rather than storm form, uh, and Shalon. End of Oathbringer, book three. Very, very powerful. Possibly fourth ideal. Yep. What do you think uh, about this fight?
1: I think Esh and I probably wins this fight. Um, and I say that because for me personally, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Shalon has shard plate
0: yet. Which is fair. So I It's didn't... also fair that to say like she can't manifest it on her on own. On will, will yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. So for me, I'm not saying that Shalon has shard plate in yeah. this fight.
0: Um it's kind of night radiant, healing and illusions yeah. versus a a very capable. Well, and
1: warrior. I'm thinking because Eshnai, as a listener has that Bond with Spren and
0: hearing the rhythms and stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if that would maybe give her some extra ability to like either see through Shalon's illusions or like know
0: where Pattern is. I think that's a very good question, just in general about like are the listeners because of their connection to kind of the the music Spren and what we know about their the waveform theory or the sound theory. Um, are they listeners able to see through Shalon's illusions? It's a good question. We obviously don't have maybe a, not
1: completely. Yeah,
0: but kind of sense them in but some way. Yeah, yeah. I do think that's interesting because remember, a lightweaver's main surge is actually the ability to manipulate waveforms, not just light. Even though the name makes it seem like it. it's all waveforms. And listeners are pretty good at hearing those waveforms, so maybe uh, that could give us some hints. True, true. The fans uh, definitely were favoring Eshinai in this matchup, and they make a couple of good points. Uh, One person said, quote, I think Shallan has the potential to be the most powerful in all of Stormlight. Mixing illusions with soul casting like she did in the last battle of Oathbringer is pretty insane. However, she's just scratched the surface of her power, whereas Eshenai was an experienced soldier and warrior. I believe that the real thing that is going to be difficult for Sean to deal with is some type of closing the distance very quickly. You know, who cares if you throw up a thousand illusions uh, because Eshenai is just going to charge through those and then once it's close- combat fighting, Shallan gets destroyed by Eshenai.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Eshenai, like you said, is such an experienced fighter.
0: It would seem weird for Eshenai to fall for any basic type of illusions. So Shallan really has to bring like her A game. And I don't even know if her A game is enough to slow Eshenai down. Yeah. So Eshenai moves on to the next round. And now we go back and do the matchup between Vin and Eshenai. So we can see who is uh, our final winner. So now we're doing the round three matchup. Vin v. I, what do you think?
1: Man, this is a tough one. I think this is a pretty good fight. Um, I think Vin probably wins this. What do you think?
0: It is certainly one of the most, I think, kind of like significant battle types that we can see in a cross Cosmere event a full Mistborn, which technically doesn't even exist anymore in the Cosmere, like, in the timeline, against a individual from Rashar in full plate with Blade and in war form, like, this is a physically superior, Eshenai is physically superior to Vin, Then you put on plate, does that make her kind of equal to Vin with Pewter? I kind of think, like, that's a fair... Uh, lineup to say, like, I feel
1: like she, Ash and I would be stronger than Vin with pewter I, in yeah, shard plate. Okay,
0: I can agree with that in yeah. shard plate. I would think that, like, Vin with pewter is probably a little bit better than just a standard war form, uh, Parshendi or listener. But when you throw on the plate, definitely there's nothing that's going to easily break the plate that vin can throw out
1: yeah so vin's gonna have to be really agile and really use her push and pull
0: and luckily she's very good at that so we hypothesized in a wax versus Adelin round one fight about how more mobile characters have a pretty big advantage and vin is definitely the more mobile and agile character in this fight so vin would have to
1: like stay out of range of the shard blade yes absolutely and what somehow like tackle I from behind or something
0: well there i think there's a couple of moves that you can do because vin doesn't fight with any weapons she the only thing she might use is daggers but those aren't going to help against the yeah. shard blade unless you can get in real close and just go straight for the ice yeah i think the move is to do something like what we described uh wax doing which is keep your distance and just pelt the shit out of that shard plate um, remember cause Vin, but
1: Vin doesn't even have a gun.
0: She doesn't have guns, but she has coins so that I she can I use. This. It's, it, I mean, it's definitely a good fight. I think, I think she can use those coins in a similar way to a bullet.
1: Yeah. That's going to be, and she can recycle oof, so much harder can though.
0: Throw, oh, definitely. It's going to take more time than bullets. Yeah. Um, uh, but she can throw the coins into the plate and, Uh, and then pull them immediately back and fire them again. Unless the
1: plate is so hard that the coins become, like, useless.
0: It's possible that the coins can never break through the plate. Um, I think the one move that Vin does have that's interesting and could always be used in interesting ways in the book is the use of Duralumin to boost one or more of the other metals. It's a risky True. play, but she could theoretically do something like a steel push coin Duralumin Blast uh, with Pewter to save herself and send that right through Eshenai's skull. I think, I'm just one person, but I think that the force that Vin could throw out is powerful enough to break through Shard plate. That's just my... Man, Picture I don't know.
1: I feel like as we're talking about this, I'm, like, changing my mind. You're thinking Eshenai.
0: <laughs> I mean, because Eshenai is not completely limited in mobility. It's not like she's sitting there like Shalon, just waiting for the battle to get close. Eshenai can take, not to the sky, but she can definitely, like, Cover some distance pretty quickly,
1: right? Because like we talked about last time, she has the sort of jumping, like super jump ability. Yeah, basically. Of the, the double jump. Yeah. Everybody knows you <laughs> jump
0: into the air once, and then you jump again, and you just push off the air. That's how it works <laughs> in double jump land. One of the fans said this quote: "Vin's greater mobility would allow her to keep a safe distance and pepper Esh and I with coins until her plate broke." If she needed, she could recycle the coins by using iron to pull them back towards her. Once Eshenai's plate is gone, single coin to the head would be enough to put her down. End quote. It's possible. I think that's a good strategy and a good tactic. Yeah, I just don't know if I buy that that
1: wins Vin the round.
0: The real problem for me, mm-hmm. though, is any time Vin gets close to that shard blade, she has no healing powers like other people we've seen. So she really can't ever get hit by Eshenai.
1: Yeah, she has to be 100% perfect to make no mistakes. Yeah,
0: which, you know, she hasn't ever fought anyone who was maybe as deadly with the exception of the Lord Ruler, I would say, and he didn't really use all of his powers. Uh, But Vin versus Eshenai is a... I think, intense matchup. Definitely. What did the fans say? The fans settled this one, and pretty close, but definitive, they give Vin the victory.
1: All right. Well, got to go with the fans. Brooke the is, votes have
0: spoken. Yeah, the, the votes will take it, and we don't always agree with the votes, but we got to respect the fan wishes. <laughs> uh, the popular vote may not rule the country, but it certainly rules us here. <laughs> This is one place
1: that you can be sure that your vote counts.
0: (laughs) The next fight we have is Wax versus Renarin. Wax is just going through the colon bros, just one after the other.
1: Get out of here, Wax.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm
1: still bitter about Adolin. I
0: know. Adolin goes down. Wax victory in round one. Now in round two, Wax faces the ultimate Cosmere healer, Renarin, yeah, I think I think Renarin wins this one. You're thinking that Renarin does what Renarin can do, yeah, and that's take all the blows possible.
1: Yeah, because if he can use his regenerative powers, nothing Wax can do is gonna take him out. And then Renarin has a shard blade, so like,
0: yeah, buy Wax, exactly, peace out. I think that Wax's best move uh, would possibly be to get in somewhat close. And try to use the shotgun blast, the like super shotgun, uh, to take off Renarin's head. Very graphic. But uh, like you, that's the only way to conceivably kill a super healer is to yeah, remove Yeah, but he head. can't get
1: that close without Renarin hitting him with a shard blade.
0: I agree with the the, so, the big problem bi-waxed. of the fight. Uh, however, it is, that's what I see as like the most likely chance of victory is you have to remove Renarin's head. Or sever his spine in some way. But Wax can really only do that with a gun. So I, it's it's not...
1: Yeah, and again, he would have to use the gun to get through Shardplate.
0: No Shardplate for Renarin. Ren, if Renarin has Shardplate, then he doesn't have healing powers.
1: Oh, uh, good point. Yeah,
0: so you can pick if you think he's better in Shardplate. But I was saying Renarin, as a Knight Radiant... But with no, shard yeah.
1: Plate. I mean, I guess if he can heal anything, then he doesn't really need the shard plate for this.
0: He can definitely heal a lot. I don't want to. We should probably, in my view, keep him in a power level that's like at or just below um, Miles Hundreds lives. I think that's a pretty good uh, comparison to Renarin's abilities. No, he
1: would be better than Miles. I don't think Miles could survive a Thunder class stomp because he wouldn't be able to tap his metal mines fast enough
0: it's completely possible but remember miles also had like metal inside of him and he is compounding just saying i agree i think that all i'm saying is renarin has a he does have an upper limit somewhere one of our fans said this quote wax is simply a more Capable fighter. Renarin probably has better powers, but to use the Super Smash Brothers analogy, Wax has a better player holding the controller. End quote. I think that's a pretty fair point in terms of experience as a combatant. Wax is definitely 100% way more experienced than Renarin as a fighter. Nope. (laughs) You don't think he's more experienced? I mean, he is
1: more experienced. I just don't think there's any way he wins this fight.
0: Basically, you are saying that Renarin's healing power, so strong that nothing Wax can do, will give him the victory.
1: Yeah, and and just the fact that Wax doesn't have any, like, he doesn't have any protection at all.
0: Yeah, no healing powers uh, for Wax. I guess an interesting thing that could happen... Uh well never mind. There's a lot of interesting things that could happen. <laughs> Another one of our fans said this, which I thought was really interesting and kind of gives the difference between a tactical fight and a strategic military campaign. "Quote: I think Renarin is more useful as a component of a military system. He can predict the future to a limited degree, heal himself and others, and so on." Wax, on the other hand, is kind of a loner, but when you get down to it, Wax would kick Renarin's ass. Even though Renarin's healing might be an issue, this person gives Wax the victory.
1: I don't know, man. I feel like people are giving Wax way too much credit.
0: I think that there is a huge difficulty in overcoming the healing that people aren't really taking into account. Yeah.
1: Thunderclass stomp, guys.
0: But, I mean, I will at least say, to be fair, Thunderclass Stomp also came in a moment of... Extra power. Unity. Definitely, he's very capable and he's an incredible healer, uh, but maybe not able to, like, do it as easily as we saw in that moment. Fair. Just just to, just to try, like, try to be fair. like Yeah. Um, you know, Stormlight is obviously something that can run out uh and so does a couple of shots from the gun wear out the stormlight to then win a shot to the head uh can j- it would basically be like renarin just like runs out of uh healing
1: yeah but then shardblade. blade
0: that's definitely true if wax has to get close wax clo- getting close is not a good move in my opinion <laughs> that's uh, in so this true fight. The fans believe in the fighting skills and experience as well as the mobility of Mr. Wax and he is going to move on to the next round. Let's get him a combatant when we look at the round two matchup, Kaladin versus Dalinar. Man, such an intense fight. This one is one of those fights that everyone probably thinks about because they're always together in the stormlight archive uh but we hope never ever happens yes <laughs> please please it would like break all the codes oh my all God. the promises yeah. everything would fall apart oh no yes, yeah. cry Two forever men specifically that are very very dedicated to their codes of honor and the bonds that they have made i don't think it would go well if they actually had to fight each other this one is super interesting i put Dalinar as the Blackthorn, full plate, full thrill, Shardblade, named Oathbringer against Kaladin, the third ideal Windrunner, huge matchup. I would love to see this happen. I think that Kaladin is going to start with the advantage. I I would give him the edge up, and I voted for him because of some of the things we talked about before. Mobility, mm-hmm. as well as his ability now to change Syl into whatever weapon or shield yeah. he wants. That to me is like really big and really significant. To the point that like we haven't even seen it all that much, but there were a couple times in the end of Oathbringer, maybe even a few more of the fights, but definitely in that battle against Amaram. Where Kaladin shifts Syl from a weapon to a shield and like catches shard blades uh, or otherwise blocks incoming blows.
1: Yeah, I think that fight in Oathbringer is one of the most like intense, difficult fights that Kaladin could ever have, and so then. If he's fighting Dalinar, I kind of feel like those are at least comparable. I think Amram might have even been more
0: difficult. With all his powers, I think that Amram is definitely... Yeah. I mean, just the thing that, like, in the fight against Amram, uh, Kaladin had to constantly be flying, even when he was trying to fight, because if he were to touch the ground, Amram would use... He would, like, morph the stone around Kaladin's feet. So just try to think about that. How do you thrust a spear or your weapon at someone with any force.
1: Yeah, you have nothing to give you...
0: No foundation, nothing to push off of. So he's constantly using lashings to give himself positioning. That's a great core workout. It's incredible, (laughs) uh, both as a physical and magical workout. And I really just don't think that Dalinar would ever represent that big a threat to a fully realized Kaladin.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because at the very least, Kaladin can count on the fact that Dalinar will be mostly land-bound. Yes. Like, there, there's a, a structure and a limitation to what Dalinar can do that is uh, able to be predicted.
0: Yes, and it's also something that Kaladin's dealt with many times before. Even before, he, well, maybe he had very, very light uh, connection to Sill when he killed his first shard bear, but he certainly did not have access to surges or any type of training as a, a windrunner.
1: And Dalinar is definitely, you know, more talented as a fighter than any of the other shard bears that Kaladin's fought. Yes. But, but I still think Kaladin wins this.
0: And so do the fans. Uh one of them specifically pointed out quote, turn Syl into the 15 foot spear and then fly around poking Dalinar. GG Easy. End quote. I gotta say, that's a pretty good way to fight uh, if you're gonna have to fight a shard bear. It's just like, what are you gonna do against a 15-foot magical spear and a person wielding it who can fly? It's tough. The fans, heartbreakingly, have decided that Kaladin will defeat Dalinar and move on to the next round. Ding ding! Which brings us to the round three fight personally i didn't know if we would get to see this fight but it's one that i am very excited about it's a good fight even though i don't think
1: wax should be here this is a this is a pretty cool fight (laughs) the
0: fight itself is great so our round three matchup places kaladin versus wax two individuals who previously we have said won because of their mobility like, Wax always was using mobility yeah. against people. This Kaladin is, like, I feel always like
1: uses mobility. one of the most even fights.
0: Now, I actually think that Wax's twin-born abilities don't give him as significant as an advantage as it may have in other fights against Kaladin, because the main thing that Wax had going for him was, like, his flying ability, the steel-pushing or iron-pulling. No, he's a steel pusher. Yeah. Uh, The steel pushing to give him his height over people was one of the main things that I kept counting on to give him victories. Like, it's just... It's a huge significance to be able to fly when your opponent cannot.
1: Yeah, but now he is doing his steel pushing with Kaladin, who also can take to the skies.
0: And do you think... I believe that the lashing that Kaladin can do is way better than steel pushing.
1: Yeah, I think it's more dynamic. Kaladin has more freedom. Mm -hmm. So while they're both pretty practiced with their version of this flying-ish ability, um, I think Kaladin has the advantage just in terms of uh, flexibility and
0: dynamism. One of our fans said, quote... Even with his Allomantic abilities, I just feel that a full Night Radiant Windrunner takes this. Kaladin is just too talented of a fighter, end quote.
1: Yeah, and I think they're both very instinctual um, combatants, right? They've like taken to their version of combat uh, in a very natural uh, way, but... I think Wax is used to a different kind of combat. Like, he's kind of used to a sort of guerrilla one-on-one in a city type of thing, whereas Kaladin has that war uh, training as well as, like, one-on-one combat abilities, um... So I just think he, he again, he's just more uh, dynamic in this fight.
0: Could you read this quote uh, from one of our fans? <laughs> yeah,
1: this is a good one. Quote, Wax finally has to face a foe even more mobile than himself. And that's a kind of enemy that has he's never seen before. Even if he does somehow get tagged by a bullet or two, that's nothing that Stormlight can't fix. Meanwhile, there's nothing that Wax can do if Kaladin gets in even one hit with his Silve Spear. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I feel
0: like the big difference here is we have two people, very experienced, good fighters, mobile, flying, weapons are both awesome, uh, but Kaladin has healing and Wax does not. So Kaladin can take blows. So either in the short term, if he wants to go like super aggressive and just take the shots and get in close, or over the long term, Kaladin's going to have the advantage because of healing. It's also what our fans said. Kaladin moves on to our semifinals. Ah, semifinal! First, we go back. We go back to our round two matchup that caused probably some of the most strong opinions and disagreements of the entire Cosmere cage match. We had Marasi versus Vasher.
1: Oh, man, I really loved this fight because I thought that this was a very unique fight that I may have never thought of otherwise, and I think that Morassi takes this. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but hear me out. Morassi is uniquely able to fight Vasher because of her speed bubble and the little cube that she has, so... I think she throws the cube, traps Vasher in a slow speed bubble. What is he going to do in a slow speed bubble? Like
0: I think <laughs> that the weapons that we have coming to this fight, this is a bringing a gun to a sword fight situation. Vacher has no experience with guns whatsoever. I'm sure he's seen bow and arrows and crossbows and that stuff, but certainly nothing as powerful as the pistols that Marassi is going to bring. The question about the time dilation and the, the bubble... Uh, what's it called? Oh, the cube. The cube that Marassi is able to use to implant her powers and then throw uh, the cube like a time grenade is... Literally the only move that can give her victory. Would you agree to that? Like, is there anything Um, else you think? Probably.
1: I mean, I think she's like a good shot, but not a perfect shot. So if she like got super lucky and was able to just get like the perfect sure uh, shot on Vasher, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's unlikely. So... Yeah, I think. But that power is not useful in too many other fights, right? Um, So I just think this is a cool fight where Marassi could really shine through. Because if she throws the cube, I mean, Basher is either just going to be awakening very slowly or like <laughs> moving his sword very slowly. And then she can take a shot.
0: And do remember that any time a bullet enters or exits a speed bubble, it does... Get ricocheted, yeah, for sure. So but, it's a bunch of shots. She's probably yeah, gonna if she does, yeah, get lucky hitting one. I don't think that it is a good fight for Morassi on the surface, except for that one thing that you just laid out. Like she has the ability. We're almost, you know, not that many other fighters even have this ability to turn the fight on a dime with her very specific powers.
1: Yeah, like in one second she can negate everything that Vasher can do.
0: Yeah, because what we have seen from Vasher is just not of the time period that uh, Marassi is coming from. There's there's never been an instance when Vasher has to deal with a world where there's guns and where that's something that he has to compete with. I mean, against. I guess
1: he has world
0: hopped, but we don't know that never seen him on schedule yeah. at that time. Uh, I think one of the interesting things to keep in mind, though, is just how diverse and capable Vasher is in his backstory. And I think this is what many of the fans pointed out as well, is that Vasher is, at minimum, a couple hundred years old. He has a bunch of fighting experience, a bunch of investiture knowledge, and he's done really, really creative things like creating the lifeless squirrels uh, to go distract people and to... uh, Yeah, but he would have to bring a squirrel with him to the fight. Oh, he always brings a squirrel (laughs) to the fight. (laughs) He's Basher. I think that he uh, has a lot of kind of experience that is beyond any single lifetime it's just kind of that like stacked it's almost like compounding he's basically got compounded experience when it comes to uh fighting compared to other mortal characters in their normal one lives yeah but if he can't
1: even fight then none of that
0: does him any good that is the question is like what can vasher do to counteract the Slow bubble grenade that Marassi is going to uh, throw at him. These are some of the things that we've seen him do in the book change his uh, pants to be awakened and give him super strong legs that he can both jump very high and catch himself from tall falls. We have seen him use awakening to block projectiles, but definitely never anything like a bullet. Uh, and we have seen him as a, at least at the end of Warbreaker, a revealed, returned with all of the powers and even more of the powers uh, that those beings, or the. So he has a, a endowed breath from his creator and has a bunch of experience using all of that in a bunch of different ways. For example, don't you have to touch someone to exchange breaths? It's not something you can do without touching them. Isn't that correct? Uh, that sounds right to me. I, I think it has to happen with, uh, with touching. And if he can get close enough to touch her, uh, there's really no... Sword fight, or there's really no fighting between Marassi and Vasher if he gets that close. Well,
1: he can't take a breath from her. She doesn't have a breath.
0: Oh no, I'm talking about using his uh his signature move, the uh, way that he beats all of the master combatants. I in don't think work. he
1: could give her a breath either.
0: If, well, he can get. He has a bunch more than one breath to give her. He has hundreds of breaths to give her.
1: Yeah, and but is that even possible to give breaths she... across the Krosmer? yeah
0: yeah? I don't know. If it is possible, obviously we're just speculating, but I think um, that that... I don't... Uh, is, I think it's definitely possible. He can't give up his endowed breath or so. he dies. Why don't you think he can give breaths to a non... A person not from... What is it?
1: Nalthus. Nalthus. Because she... Like, there's a barrier. If Why? she does, If she didn't have a breath to begin with, how would she be able to accept a breath?
0: Because... She has a spiritual soul, and you're saying that, yeah, but because people are specifically capable of having breaths, and that like definitely sounds correct, yeah, that's that's the whole
1: way that their magic system works. The shard of endowment uh chose to give each person who was born on Nalthus a breath. So, if you're not born on Nalthus, you don't have breath, you
0: have a breath, yes, but could you? take a breath could you be forced uh to take a breath like Vasher does in his signature move i don't think so i don't know that's an interesting question i'm also kind of they, interested... you would have to
1: like change their spirit web to be able to yeah take breath maybe or yep 100 it's not
0: 100 percent. yep you're not brandon sanderson
1: <laughs> uh, brandon confirm this for me yeah, i that... know you're a big fan of the pod <laughs> right in
0: big fan of the pod You can find us on Twitter, Brandon, at Cosmere Convo, Reddit, (laughs) Facebook, we're everywhere. I think that that's an interesting question, because now I'm just kind of thinking, like, is the speed bubble even going to work on Vasher? It's a piece of investiture, right?
1: Yeah, but it's manipulating something external.
0: Definitely, it's not manipulating, yeah, yeah, it's definitely manipulating, like, it's creating a little bubble around time, but I'm saying, like, Vasher is heavily invested, more even than like normal people that we have seen on Yeah, but
1: that doesn't mean that he's exempt from space and time.
0: Well, I'm kind of wondering if it <laughs> does, does mean
1: that <laughs> That's when I'm No, asking. I think only Hoyd has that That would
0: be that would be huh? interesting. Can we now re <laughs> So basically this fight created a bunch of different uh, opinions vote both very strong in both directions for Marassi and Vasher, and I think we've just kind of outlined why. Is like there's a bunch of question marks around this. How does Vasher deal with guns? How does he deal with the time dilation? What can Awakening really do against uh, a gun? A gun and like closing <laughs> the distance quickly. You know, could v- Vasher's life sense key him off to what type of misting? someone is i don't know if this is true but i'm just speculating that like what is it about life sense that you are actually seeing are you seeing someone's Mm. spirit web can you see like the difference between a mistborn or just someone from scadriel and someone from rashar
1: that's interesting yeah
0: there's just a bunch of interesting questions for this fight our fans have given it to vasher
1: disappointed guys (laughs) (laughs) you're not thinking creatively enough (laughs)
0: Well the next one
1: is definitely creative. Oh man this
0: one. Hoyd <laughs> The Wonder Kid. I
1: feel like our fans are gonna hate us forever for this fight.
0: Versus Miles, hundreds live. No, we literally had people getting mad. They were like, Hoyd can't hurt anyone." That's freaking bullshit. Basically, they were just very upset. They were like, "It has been said very clearly that Hoy- yeah. Hoyd should not be in this fight." And blah 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 blah. They just go on. Calm
1: on. down, everyone. Exactly. It's just a fictional relax. universe. Just have fun. It's a
0: fictional universe, and we're doing fictional crossover fights. Yeah. <laughs> They're not even canon fights. Just yeah. calm down. We are compounding the fictionalness of this. No one should be getting mad. It's fine. It's,
1: Everything is made up and the points, points don't, don't matter. matter.
0: Very good. Hoyd versus Miles. I think this is fascinating. One of our fans said, quote, stalemate? Question mark. Hoyd could endlessly defend himself against Miles' attacks, but can't harm Miles enough to dispatch him. Miles keeps attacking, but Hoyd can always heal. I guess Miles eventually runs out of ammo, or just gets tired, end quote. I feel like that is one of the best examples of what a real fight between these two. Like, Miles is super angry, and just, like, throws everything that he has at Hoyd, and Hoyd like, shrugs it off, kind of. I mean, he's got <laughs> yeah. multiple... We know he's at least, at the very least, he is a Knight Radiant, so he has that healing power. He's got whatever his Yolen powers are, whatever's been keeping him around for so long, and we think he's a full Mistborn, because he took that bead of Lorasium and is guarding it as he would his own skin.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he for sure has some Allomantic abilities. He may be a full Mistborn. Any, I mean, any way you slice it, he's definitely powerful, but again can't hurt anyone. Um, Another great point from our fans was, quote... Miles is not mentally sound. Something Hoyd would exploit and break him in a war of the mind. End quote. That's where I
0: think this fight is gonna take place.
1: I, totally. I actually Hoyd just sits around and just like insults
0: him until Miles just like slits his wrist. That's how I think it's gonna go. Is <laughs> and it's not gonna happen quickly. So I wrote a full retcon oh, for gosh. this fight. Uh, I have changed everything about the Cosmere. So once again, Brandon feel free to contact me and like pick my brain because this is actually what happened. Miles supposedly died at the end of Mistborn Era 2, book one. Guess what? Nope, he didn't. He was grabbed by Adonalsium. I don't even care. He was grabbed by Adonalsium, thrown into a little pocket universe where there's just an infinitely flat plane and challenged by Hoid. They have been in this fight for thousands of years now. Oh, just sitting around, biting each <laughs> other. At the first, it was Miles was angry uh-huh. and fired everything he had into yep. Hoyd, and Hoyd just took it all then Hoyt was like uh, look you're kind of stuck here and you should just give up and Miles being all crazy and stuff is like I'll never give up I'll definitely figure out a way out of here and Hoyt is like okay I'm gonna go world hop and Hoyt just world hops away and so Hoyt oh, has done everything we have seen him do in the books while and
1: Miles th- is just waiting for him <laughs> every
0: time he hops back somewhere out of the books and everybody's like, where did Whit go? Where did Hoyd go? Where's that beggar? He just
1: pops in and lands a punch. <laughs> exactly.
0: He's just dropping in to the pocket universe to fight Miles and really not even to fight him, just to see if he has taken out all of his gold mines and committed suicide. <laughs> Over enough time, that is exactly what will happen. Hoyd will outlast and out-survive, but not actually out-combat Miles' <laughs> hundreds lives.
1: Do we know that Hoyd has that much healing power though
0: to legitimately like take a bunch of yeah uh, yeah
1: like how much can he really take you know
0: well there's a couple of things that fans pointed out when it came to uh hoid in a word of brandon one fan pointed out uh that a questioner asked who is the most powerful non-shard entity in the cosmere and brandon himself said it's probably hoid so obviously not counting shards but Hoyd definitely has a lot of healing. He almost laughed in Yasna's face when she threatened him with the uh, shard blade. That's true. So, he obviously that can be acting and Hoyd is, you know, plenty good at being an actor, but it also just might be confidence in his long-lasting life. It kind of also comes down to the metaness that we have discussed before <laughs> when it Deals with Hoyd. Yeah. Uh, Hoyd can't die because Brandon needs him, so therefore he will remain alive regardless of whatever happens because Brandon needs him later, and therefore nothing that happens now can affect Hoyd. That's just part of our deep Hoyd theory. Yeah. Uh, which you can go back to our very first episode if you really want the uh, the craziness of that. However. I think that Hoyd wins this by driving Miles insane over multiple hundreds or thousands of years.
1: I agree. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Hoyd moves on to face Vasher. Vasher v. Hoyd. I oh, love this shoot. fight. I love this fight because we have two characters that we know are unlike all the other characters. They're also
1: both so sassy.
0: Oh, man. They're just ex- like they're. Beyond being experienced, They're yeah, are beyond Ooh, being yeah. wizened. Like, wizened? I don't even know how to say that. Battle-worn, yeah. world-weary. Literally too old to still be alive. Like, they, they shouldn't be alive anymore.
1: Even though, like, Vasher is a heck of old, and Hoyt is, like, old enough to be Vasher's like, great-great-grandfather.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Hoyt is old enough to be everybody's. <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> but yes, too Old Cosmere dudes. And I think that one of
0: our fans uh, who got creative with it, I like when they get creative with it, said this. Quote, I like this one. I don't even want to see a fight. I just want to see them sitting and having a conversation. <laughs> Still, since I have to choose, I say Hoy. Always Hoyd. End quote. I just want to see a conversation between these two people as well. Yeah. I, I don't even need to see a fight. I literally just want to, hey, what's going on in your neck of the woods? I don't know what's going on in here. I want basically, yeah, maybe the traveler, they just like with chat for a
1: while and then they're like, So which of us should win? And Hoid's just like, mm, I don't really care enough. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> then he just like steps
0: into a pool and evaporates. Yeah. Hoid's a- just like, I'm busy. I'm doing another yeah. thing. I could absolutely see that for the first round, Hoid wanted to beat Miles just to annoy Miles. Yeah, just because Miles is annoying. And as soon as Miles is dead, Hoyt is like, all of this is pointless. I'm out. And he just, he leaves.
1: He's like, eh, I had my fun. Now I'm over it. Exactly.
0: Vasher, in that instance, would win by default and move on to our semi-finals. Oh, hey. And now we have a round two matchup that I thought was really interesting, depending on how you set the limits. We had Hrathin versus Spook. What were your thoughts about now? Let's first say, how do you imagine Spook in this fight? Oh, um,
1: I think I was imagining Spook as a tin savant and like maybe with pewter
0: but not as Lord Mistborn. I honestly completely forgot that he is even... I mean, Lord it happens Mistborn. literally between the books. Um, yeah, but,
1: so I think I just like wasn't really counting that.
0: Yeah, we, we said that if you had to get your spirit web rewoven by a god, that did not count in this particular fight. So Spook is a tin savant and a pewter uh, enhanced through Hemalurgy. Yeah, right? uh in this fight for us but he's going up against hirathen who is one of the more experienced fighters we have seen he's one of these people who's super old eh, maybe not super old but like in yeah, his 40s, in the grand
1: scheme not that old
0: yeah that's fair he is and not that experienced he
1: like pales in comparison to dalinar
0: Oh, I would agree that Dalin is probably like one of the only people who has yeah. more.
1: I mean, I don't know. Like Hrathen is fine, but compared to everyone else, I'm just like, mm, let's put it this way. Whatever.
0: On his world, he was very, very capable, competent and powerful and feared for good reason. Uh, he had a full set of normal plate, uh, which I think will actually help him in in this fight, as we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but he has trained with multiple of the fighting monks across Elantris, including the Dakor monks, although he didn't like them because they were super creepy. Uh, however, he has one gift, curse, from the Dakor monks, and that is a forearm. That is near indestructible.
1: Oh, yeah, because isn't he like he's going to become a Dakor, but he's like not strong enough or like not evil enough. And they're like, "Mm, you're too much of like a nice little boy. You can leave. (laughs) I think
0: even though he wasn't a super nice uh, person compared to the Dakor monks, he did not want to complete their upper level training because it all revolved around human sacrifice. And that was like a step too far for him. For the, so he completed, like, the first level of Dakur monk training. That's why he has one bit of his body is changed. But he never became advanced in the Dakur monastery. However, Spook has a tin savant and pewter body, which basically makes him incredibly durable, incredibly strong, and daredevil-esque in his fighting prowess and we saw that a lot in the third misborn
1: like i think he's just always gonna see hrathen coming and be able to dodge any attacks that hrathen may uh launch i mean I, i guess i'm not sure what uh attack spook would be able to get in but i don't see him getting injured by hrathen
0: That is a good point. What are Spook's offensive abilities? Now, we've seen him use different weapons, but his main weapons at the end of uh, book three were the dual canes uh, that he would use as part of his disguise as a blind man. He also, uh, you know, he couldn't just be walking around with a giant sword or anything like that. So he had these dual canes, That isn't going to do much against anything else other than what Harathan brings to the table because Harathan fights mainly hand-to-hand combat. So these two are actually like well-suited because a shard blade would just like snap through those canes. But I think that Harathan is going to really underestimate his opponent. For sure. And I think that will probably be his downfall because... What you said of always being aware mm-hmm. because of the tin enhanced, I think that's really really powerful in a kind of traditional fight uh, where you can sense the micro tensions and relaxations mm-hmm. of a person's body. So you can see like when they're shifting their weight yeah. to make an attack or something like you're you able can feel to their anticipate. Everything. Yeah, you can hear their heart beating and like it's it's a. It's an ability that's very difficult to see with your eyes, at, but almost impossible to like fight against. So I don't know if Harathen's going to have the ability to outlast uh, someone like a tin and pewter burning spook. Agreed. That's what our fans said as well. Spook moves on to our next fight. Woohoo! Then is our second to last fight. We have Wayne versus Zeth. Character-wise, I love this matchup. I want these two to meet. I want them to be- Oh my gosh,
1: Zeth would hate Wayne. Exactly,
0: that's why I want them to meet. I want Zeth and Wayne to interact all the time. I want them to have little side stories like he did with Lyft. I want them to be like going out on adventures into Westworld, just Wayne and Zeth. But that's not what's going to happen. Instead, they are combatants. They are fighting, and we have a couple of interesting uh, magic users here. Investiture users. Wayne with his speed bubbles. This time, the reverse of Marassi's, allowing you to move up very quickly when you're inside the speed bubble. Wayne is definitely an experienced combatant and fighter, and he has the gold mine ability to heal even heal shard blades, although not to the same extent as other healers in the Cosmere. What do you think about this one?
1: I think Zeth wins this one. I just think Wayne Wayne is kinda of like kind of a Hoid character where he just like <laughs> doesn't really like hurting people. Um he only has the dueling canes which are not gonna do much against a shard blade. Um I think as we've discussed before. Um so even though he can heal. I think based on what we see in the books, healing from something as significant as a Shard Blaine wound is pretty much going to drain most of his healing power. So I think it's not too long before Zeth's able to take him out.
0: Yeah. And it also is bad for Wayne because Wayne's strategy, unlike Wax, Wax is like, keep your distance until you can like see what's going and then make a big move. Wayne is all about causing confusion by getting up close to someone Popping the speed bubble around, like the two of them or three of them, fighting people individually in close combat, and then popping out and running away. That strategy is going to go very, very poorly against someone who can manipulate gravity, who can attach Wayne to the ground or send him flying into the air. And as you said, Wayne has no ability to defend or really hurt Zeth in any specific way. So, Unfortunately, one of our fans uh, said this, Zeth just taps Wayne, sends him flying up into the air, and then as Wayne falls, Zeth slices him with the shard blade. Sorry, Wayne, you go down. Aw, bye, Wayne. Leaving our final fight in round three, we have Spook versus Zeth.
1: Oh, dang. What,
0: what are your thoughts?
1: Spook versus Zeth. Man, I think Zeth's got to win this.
0: Unfortunately, I feel like this is the worst fight that Spook could be in. Yeah. As we said before, Spook not bringing any type of weapon that can deal with a Honor Blade or Shard Blade. Yeah. Similar
1: to Wayne, but without the healing ability. So, like, he's even more screwed. Like, yeah, he is going to be able to feel Zeth coming, But I just think that's not going to do him any good. Like, he's going to hide on the ground and put his hands over his head and then just get sliced.
0: And one of our fans said this. I thought this was really interesting and a good understanding of how this fight would work. They said, quote, being a tin savant is normally a good way to be able to dodge and move around a less aware foe. It's going to be the opposite of helpful when the assassin in white lashes you to the ceiling and the back wall simultaneously, and your hypersensitive inner ear starts going crazy. Just one touch from Zeth and Spook is going to be upside down in the corner puking on himself, and then comes the shard blade. <laughs> I think that that is a really good point. Yeah, that's a great description. We saw multiple times uh, Spook be overwhelmed by stimuli, and I think obviously he kind of overcomes that and gets good at dealing with that.
1: But it's never going to go away completely. It's still his
0: weakness, and we've never seen him have to deal with anything like the motion sickness that would be caused by multiple lashings. Yeah. Zeth handedly takes this fight, moving him on to the semifinals. Let's look at those semifinals in detail. Yeah,
1: let's look at our semifinal fights.
0: Okay, so semifinal fights. We have Vin versus Kaladin. Missborn versus Night Radiant.
1: Wow. That's another really great fight.
0: I love that matchup. It is kind of the one that you could initially imagine happening because the main character from Mistborn, main character from Stormlight. Totally. Definitely put them together and here it is happening right before us. Vin versus Kaladin.
1: And then on the other side we have Vasher
0: versus Zeth. Very, very interesting. Another super interesting yeah, fight. bands fans love themselves some Vasher. Do you think he can do anything against Zeth? It's likely that Vasher has trained multiple combatants that have either fought and beat Zeth or at least fought and dealt with Zeth. I always wonder that. Like, we didn't see this fight, but I kind of wish it had happened. What would be? Just like Vasher versus Adolin. You know, master. against... Oh yeah,
1: master against training. pupil. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> Have one of those Obi Wan Kenobi versus Anakin moments, kind of.
1: Yeah, but if they're not confined to the Roshar rules, then
0: Vasher can bring
1: awakening in, and Adolin would just be like, "What the?"
0: Yeah. Although maybe Adolin is <laughs> adapted now to so much magic users that he maybe be- yeah. I would still say that I'm okay. So like now I'm very interested in this whole like how does Vasher fight and like what powers can he bring. Uh, to the world? And can people take the breaths from Vasher? Can he give them? I'm super interested about that fight. Fans, I would love to know what you think specifically. Can Vasher, in any of his fights, but can he transfer breath to someone not from Nalthus?
1: Yeah, could he use that signature breath move? I don't think so, but let us know what you think.
0: Let us know what you think when it comes to the fight between Vin and Kaladin and Vasher and Zeth. We will... Voting is now open. Voting is open today, Tuesday. Now, what we are going to do for this last week, we haven't been giving everybody a week to vote on each of these rounds, but because of the last semifinals and final fight there's only going to be three matchups. We want to talk about all those matchups in our next podcast. So, we are going to say, voting is open today for round four, the semifinals. It will be open until Thursday night, and on Friday morning, the final fight will open up for voting. You can always find our voting stuff and all the pages and whatnot on Twitter, Facebook, and reddit at Cosmere Convo. Find us, talk to us, vote on stuff. We love it. Thanks guys. Until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination.